Thank you, uh, Hilda, and thank you to uh, Willem. Um, this is terribly humbling, and I've chosen the title Honour the Work because it was the motto of the school where I spent most of my teenage years, and I thought it would be a fitting tribute to Freddie Fu. The motto was Honour the Work, and the school symbol was the unicorn, which uh, stands for follow your dreams to all the things that are good in the world. And Freddie, I think, was a dreamer. Um, be it sunrise or sunset or any other time of day, I think Freddie was dreaming and he was always trying to find a better way. I think he was the most generous man in the world. I'd asked uh, Freddie uh, would he mind speaking at the opening ceremony of the uh, Asia Pacific Orthopaedic Association Congress. He immediately said yes and uh, sent me this screenshot from halfway across the Pacific Ocean saying that I'm on the way. And it leads to the first message that I might have today, which is to remember your teachers. Uh, Sir Isaac Newton is quoted as saying, if I've seen further, it's by standing on the shoulders of giants. With Per Renstrom and the Archives Committee, we made this the subject of an editorial for the journal two years ago. And we are all inspired by people we admire. Freddie was one and Pete Fowler is another. And the Archives Committee also has an initiative of interviewing giants in orthopaedic sports medicine. And Ned Amendola interviewed uh, Peter as one of the first in that series. And talking spur personally, the first shoulders I stood upon uh, were those of John Grant in, in Melbourne. And this was less than two years after I'd graduated from medical school at university. John was one of the very, very few orthopaedic surgeons who took an interest in sports injuries and especially sports injuries of the knee. In those days, in the 1960s, uh, we know that there were a lot of ACL injuries, but they were either not diagnosed or not considered important. An open total meniscectomy was in fact the most common operation in all of orthopedics. The main diagnostic uh, test was the anterior draw. But this is long before the description of the pivot shift test, and John had developed his anteromedial and anterolateral translation tests. In, uh, examining the knee joint with the uh, patient seated, and those of us who worked with him always learned to examine the patient seated. In 1963, Kenneth Jones published 11 cases of ACL reconstruction using a patella tendon left attached to the tibia. And this had a big impact. That same year in Melbourne, a star footballer went down with what was thought to be a career-ending injury, and John performed the first ACL reconstruction in Australia using the Jones patella tendon technique. It was successful, and about 18 months later, that player returned to the field and played at the very highest level for several more years. Thereafter, now knowing that it was not necessarily a career-ending uh, injury, uh, John operated on many uh, star athletes and star sportsmen, and I was fortunate enough in those junior years to assist him with many of these procedures, and I learnt the technique, or his technique of ACL reconstruction. 
And it's astonishing, you know, that, that with this graph, which was nowhere near anatomic and was supposedly inserted into a hostile environment, could survive many decades later, such as these two cases at 26 years and 33 years later. The next set of shoulders I stood upon were those of Louis Solomon, the finest teacher I ever met in my life. I worked with Louis in 1974 for 12 months in Johannesburg. Louis was an operating rheumatologist. He was not only an expert in orthopedic surgery, but he was an expert in immunology and pharmacology of synovial diseases. And my own, only ambition in life was to be another Louis Solomon. In those early 1970s, in Europe especially, rheumatologists were doing arthroscopy for uh, biopsies and lavage and injections. And so I bought a, uh, an arthroscope, one of Lanny Johnson's arthroscopes, and to the horror of my wife, I took it home. I put the arthroscope into the central pith of an orange, inserted needles from the side to learn the uh, triangulation, which is the basis of arthroscopy. And then soon after, the shavers were invented, and this led to arthroscopic synovitis for rheumatoid arthritis, which is a big advance on open synovectomy. But it, it led to some problems because if one knew how to do ACL reconstruction and knew how to do arthroscopy, this led to lots of sports injury referrals. And it is true that surgeons with new techniques operating on famous people do attract attention. Dickie Jones had this uh, uh, credo which he said uh, related to the wolf pack. Respect the elders, teach the young, cooperate with the pack. My problem was that I came from a, a very small uh, country town in timber country where my father worked and I essentially just did my own thing and didn't worry too much about others. And it leads to this important uh, message of consider your colleagues. Orthopaedics is a team game and you need your colleagues. And as Dickie would say, cooperate with the pack. In 1980, I'd operated on a genuinely champion uh, footballer who was a household name, known by absolutely everybody. And the media was astonished at how rapidly he recovered from this procedure. And two days later, this cartoon appeared in the daily newspapers. Well, it, it was pretty good, but um, a lot of my colleagues were not amused at all. And they felt threatened, uh, and indeed, to some extent, they were threatening me. And by now, the media had gone berserk. Uh, crucial ligament injuries were no longer career-threatening, arthroscopy was developing, and uh, these sort of headlines would appear in the newspapers along sometimes with my name, which proved most unfortunate. And to regain the trust of colleagues, I had to uh, share my results and share my experience and operative techniques. And this was one such uh, of the early days, comparing uh, 250 open meniscectomies with the first 60 arthroscopic uh, meniscectomies. No big deal these days. 
Again, to be transparent, I had these cumbersome videotapes uh, made of every single uh, arthroscopic procedure. These were all given to the patients, but uh, being able to get them back, I was able to look at them all and uh, present the uh, uh, accessory findings of the first 100 meniscectomies. To uh, more specialised colleagues in the Australian Knee Society present a management of arthroscopic cysts uh, showing that the symptoms were due to the cyst and not the tear. We tried this to manage arthroscopically this uh, difficult condition of patellar tendinopathy and uh, presented this in the National Arthroscopy Association and showed that the results were just as good as the open procedure and presented the first couple of hundred uh, of uh, ACL reconstructions with patella tendon. And impressively, 64% of footballers returned to play at that time. And it has to be said that these, again, were not anatomic graphs, but they were very big graphs. We were using 13 millimetre tunnels. And Bob Solder doesn't get the credit I think he deserves from knee surgeons because he developed the concept of continuous passive motion. Prior to 1983, uh, 82, all of our crucial ligament reconstructions were immobilised in a cast for six weeks. And about 13% of them had required a manipulation under an anaesthetic for stiffness. With the use of the CPM, which I bought the first one, uh, we had no manipulations in the next 200 ACL reconstructions. But I'd continued being loyal to, uh, to Louis Solomon with uh, the rheumatology side of life, uh, presenting an arthroscopic management for rheumatoid and psoriatic arthritis and synovial chondromatosis um, in such like uh, synovial conditions. And by this time, Louis had moved to Bristol and we'd kept in contact and he'd already revised Graham Apley's wonderful textbook on uh, orthopaedics. And again, Louis Solomon changed my life because he started uh, my fellowship program and Louis would be sending guys from Bristol to learn ACL reconstruction and uh, arthroscopy, the first being Peter Magnuson. And therefore, then it progressed as, as uh, they turned up and um, this was my great joy and, and, uh, and inspiring to me. And I've been stimulated by these people uh, uh, ever since and I continue uh, to try and follow the progress of their careers. And indeed, um, if any publications turned out carrying my name somewhere on it, they were all due to the initiative of these fellows. There are one or two interesting things. Um, we started uh, transferring the patella tendon graft from the normal knee into the opposite unstable knee and were able to show with strength testing that the graft harvest did not cause quadriceps weakness. The quads could recover completely. We also noted that uh, studying MRIs, our graphs were in fact too vertical. But now I was encroaching on Freddie's territory because Freddie was the leader by a long shot in this field and we're all following his progress very carefully. You should know that Freddie was in fact an accomplished photographer and he would send these photographs around to many of us. And he loved photographing uh, nature. 
but there was an ulterior motive because Freddie was in fact trying to replicate nature and transfer this into his clinical work. And with his dear friend Hiro Kurosaka, they tried to make the anterior cruciate ligament graft uh, replicate nature with the normal insertion sites and the normal alignment of the uh, graft. And they were successful. And we all improved as we followed his teaching and our grafts started to look better. They started to almost res resemble the normal ACL. And who would forget the, some of the words from the double bundle song, that if your ACL is shot to hell, Dr. Fu knows what to do. But of course, that wasn't the only pathology that came with the ACL injury. There were the capsular injuries, the meniscus injuries, the osteochondral injuries. Somewhat as a, in terms of guesswork, uh, likening that injury to the hill sacs lesion in the shoulder, I would bone graft some of the uh, acute osteochondral injuries and it seemed to make a difference. With regard to the lateral side, John Grant had told me that you have to do something in the middle and something at the side. So initially influenced by Arthur Ellison, I transferred a soft tissue strip of uh, iliotibial tract deep to both the lateral ligament and the popliteus. So this was not a tenodesis. And it was surprising that even more than 25 years later, such in these two cases, the intra-articular part of that uh, graft seemed to survive. But was all this necessary? And here comes the big question for today and, and to those uh, who are concerned about it. Ian Harris uh, wrote a beautiful book called Surgery, the Great Placebo, really throwing the question at us. And even Freddie had said a few years ago that uh, he was concerned that possibly 30 to 40% of orthopedic surgeries are unnecessary. And certainly in my case, some were un uh, unnecessary because I had pretty disappointing results with uh, articular cartilage transfers, collagen meniscus implants and synthetic ligaments. And it is true, in these uh, uh, films, uh, these two cases, courtesy of Merv Cross, who has a bracing protocol for the acute injury, that some ACL heal, tears will heal with no surgery. But this really disturbed me, this, this case where they said there was, there was no difference in operative and non-operative treatment for uh, ACL injury. And yet, uh, being a golfer, and uh, I know that uh, with an unstable left knee, uh, the a golfer puts a pivot shift test on his unstable left knee with every tee shot. And when we looked at a consecutive series of ACL reconstructions, we found that by five years post-injury, 100% of ACL-deficient knees coming to surgery had meniscus tears. So the answer to all this may be, uh, in the, the words of the great uh, Jack Houston, document, document, document. And I certainly believe that in documentation of posterior instability of the knee, stress x-rays are the most valuable. Here you can compare the normal side with the, the uh, unstable uh, side, and you can compare the preoperative view with the postoperative view, and therefore objectively grade your results. 
I've become pretty confident with PCL reconstruction, especially using two arthroscopes, anterolateral and postromedial. But then I came crashing down to earth when I hit the popliteal artery. And you can see here in this beautiful uh, study by Paul Chang that the artery is at risk. And Carl Erickson did this ultrasound study for us, and it is true, as we were originally taught, that in flexion in the normal knee, the artery drops away from the back of the knee. But in the PCL deficient knee, the artery actually becomes closer. And in fact, it may be adherent to the posterior tibia. So if you're going to operate on somebody, you have to meet expectations. And uh, clearly these uh, uh, chicken wings met Freddie's expectations. As did these uh, noodles. And um, I think this uh, influenced uh, Freddie a lot. I think it actually became his philosophy of life. Uh, to uh, eat noodles, uh, dress casually, speak freely and think quickly. So a simple question you may get asked is, when can I drive after a, a right knee ACL reconstruction, bearing in mind that milliseconds can save lives? So doing this sort of study, we found, in fact, it's not really safe with a right knee ACL reconstruction to drive until the fourth week. And it was quite interesting that preoperatively, the ACL deficiency was in fact a little slow compared to normals or those who had a left knee problem testing the right knee. And in fact, it was still the case eight weeks later. One of the greatest joys I had in my uh, career was 1996 being godfather of the Asia Pacific Travelling Fellows through uh, Europe. This was a big trip, it was five weeks through all of these uh, wonderful centres. And I'll be forever grateful to ESCA uh, for the friendship uh, and, and the experience that I had and made many, many lasting friends. Freddie had a similar experience uh, a little later when he was godfather for AOSM, AOSSM travelling fellows heading to the Asia-Pacific region. Freddie embraced uh, Pittsburgh. He loved the uh, history and with uh, Hilda, he was a patron of the arts and he had a deep love for his uh, family. Uh, he would often send these uh, photographs uh, connected with a, a link or a saying to a song which was appropriate for the particular set of photographs. So coming to a close, I think it is fair to say that in terms of my school and the motto, Freddie honoured his work. He told me that he loved the Seekers, who were Australia's finest uh, singing group for decades. And uh, I, in fact, had been to school as a contemporary of the three boys who, or men who were members of the Seekers, along with the uh, beautiful Bu uh, Judith Durham. And the first two lines of one of the Seekers songs went, keep a dream in your pocket and a song in your heart, Keep the lamp of your learning burning bright. Well, Freddie worshipped at this cathedral of learning and said that he would be learning forever. And finally, I'd say if Freddie was 
looking down on us today, he would confirm that and he would offer you that message of keep the lamp of your learning burning bright. If you'll allow me, I'll just quickly thank my beloved family and also my orthopedic colleagues at home and abroad. Thank my fellows and more than anything, uh, gentlemen, and to you people out there, thank Isikos, you and Isikos, because you've given me more than I could ever repay. Thank you. Congratulations, John. Thank you, Hilda, and the full family for coming. It's a great pleasure and honor to ice for Isaacos to have people like Freddy and John Barlow now in, in our team forever. So we're very proud of you and we wish you the best. Thank you.